It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, February 22, 2022. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. When the Sitka Assembly meets tonight, it will consider final approval for a new city code allowing all-terrain vehicles on Sitka's roads. The Assembly gave the ATV code its first seal of approval on February 8th. If approved, ATV users can drive on Sitka streets with speed limits of up to 45 miles per hour, which includes the entire road system. But before they hit the pavement, riders must meet certain safety requirements, have both city and state permits, and submit to a police inspection of their vehicle. There's one street where ATVs won't be permitted, at least for most of the summer, along with all other motorized traffic. Earlier this month, the Assembly adopted a short-term tourism plan in response to the cruise passenger boom predicted for 2022. The plan includes closing Lincoln Street on the busiest cruise ship days. When it meets tonight, the Assembly will consider a budget to cover expenses related to the street closure. City staff estimate that street crew, additional parking enforcement, barricades and signage will cost the city around $220,000. Most of the expenses likely will be reimbursed with the state head tax on cruise passengers, officially known as the Cruise Passenger Excise Tax Fund. The Assembly will also discuss the final placement for a yellow cedar bench in honor of the late civil rights leader Elizabeth Paradovich. At its last regular meeting, the Assembly heard from a number of Sitkins hoping to expedite the Birds and Benches project, which seeks to install three benches in front of the Harrigan Centennial Hall, where a statue of Alexander Baranoff once stood. The Sitka Assembly meets tonight at Harrigan Centennial Hall. Raven News will broadcast the meeting live at 6 p.m. following Alaska News Nightly. As COVID numbers continue to drop in Alaska, the state health department is revising its surveillance methods to track trends rather than specific case counts. But COVID is not a one-and-done disease for some people. In the most severe cases, there's a risk of a condition called long covid During the department's weekly teleconference with state media, Alaska's chief medical officer, Dr. Ann Zink, said that the impact of long COVID on a person's health and lifespan remains unknown. I think it's really important that we continue to not think in binary terms. It's not uncommon for viruses to cause um, changes in the immune system, changes in the way that the heart responds, uh, long-term symptoms and side effects. So this is not unique to covid But I think we will be learning for a long time what this looks like. So how this changes life expectancy, I don't think we have any answer to that question yet. I think we're still learning. We're still working on a definition worldwide for long COVID. Um, So I don't think we've got that, but we'll continue to follow it and watch it uh, as we go forward. Another change for the department is the role of testing. Home tests are readily available now, and many mild and asymptomatic cases of COVID are going unreported. Dr. Louisa Castrodale, head of Alaska's Infectious Disease Control Program, says testing remains an important tool in identifying trends. You know, the intent is not to capture every single last test, but to help people understand what's going on with trends and um, kind of movement through the state. So um, we're definitely, when we were counting every case and there was not over-the-counter testing, um, we knew we were probably missing some um, portion of the um, COVID burden because some people just didn't seek care and and maybe had mild illness. And now we assume that um, that proportion that we're not capturing um, because of over-the-counter testing is a little bit higher. And if you are someone who has a positive home test, there is no need to pick up the phone to report it to the state, although the department is happy to assist you with connecting with a provider and other resources. Even though it feels like the pandemic is tapering, Dr. Zink says your first move on testing positive at home is to stay at home and let your contacts know. 
yet we're encouraging them to stay isolated uh, from others while they are positive so they don't spread it to others and letting their close contacts know. So um, there is limited resources and limited usefulness, honestly, in knowing every single last case across the state. And as Louisa had mentioned, there's national talk about what ways we could have a more uh, streamlined process to be able to have those tests reported in. But we don't have every single flu case reported in. You know, we do surveillance work to then estimate kind of what is the overall flu burden in that space. Another important step for those who test positive at home might be to connect with a doctor. High-risk patients now include almost all unvaccinated adults who are nine times more likely to end up hospitalized for COVID than their fully vaccinated and boosted counterparts. Dr. Castrodale says the sooner you let your doctor know about your positive test, the better. And for sure, if you're a high-risk person, communicating that, you know, right back to your healthcare provider, because they might say, you know what, I want you to come in for um, a confirmatory test and maybe talk about some treatment options. Alaska has been particularly hard hit by the Omicron variant. Just over 30 percent of the population has been infected by COVID in the pandemic, compared to 22 percent nationally. However, just under 2 percent of COVID cases in Alaska were hospitalized, compared to close to 5 percent for states like Montana and New Mexico. Dr. Zink says Alaska's success is probably due to the efforts of the state's communities to protect their most vulnerable populations. Regalia is an important part of Tlingit culture. That was demonstrated at the Sitka Festival in Petersburg, where experienced sewers and newbies sat together, creating headbands in a workshop. KFSK's Angela Denning reports. Petersburg elder Marianne Rainey stands at a long table in the John Hansen Senior Community Hall. She holds up some regalia she's made for indigenous students who will be graduating from high school. I make these for the seniors, not as elaborate as this. I put diamonds on theirs. I do put the eagle head and the raven head on theirs, and they could embellish it themselves. It's made of black and red wool felt with patterns that she's created. It's long and thin, meant to drape around someone's neck and down the front. She sews by hand, not by machine. I call these uh, shawls in place of the blanket because a button blanket with 18 grandchildren, I'd never be able to do it. Rainey also makes traditional crafts out of cedar bark that she harvests and processes. But she says she'd love to learn more about Thinkit Regalia. There's so many things I want to learn that if you have no teacher here, you have to pick it up yourself or try to improvise. I watch a lot. Now there's videos that you could see, but, you know, you do what you can. Not everyone here is as experienced as Rainey. Corinne James is sitting nearby, bent over a headband she's sewing with a needle and thread. My Clinkit name is Kanik and my English name is Corinne. James is from Juneau and she came to the Petersburg Festival with her parents, who are instructors in this regalia workshop. They're cultural educators at the University of Alaska Southeast, but they're at the festival through Gold Belt Heritage Foundation, also based in Juneau. James has sewn regalia before, but she says this kind is new to her. This is actually like my first time actually making a headband. So I'm kind of like a student in this workshop. <laughs> James's mother, Colleen James, is here too. My clinket name is Dach Kithach. That's my Ganachadi name. My adopted name is Sheikh, and that's my Kothkwedi name. 
and my English name is Colleen James, and I come from both Ketchikan and Metlakatla. Colleen says her adopted name ties her to the Petersburg area, and she's happy to be bringing the start of regalia making to the Sitka Festival. For folks who may be looking to get back into regalia making, if maybe they took a long pause, and so we're just honored to be here. The headbands are made of black and red wool, adorned with buttons. Sada'at is a, a piece that is worn so that we can represent our, our clans or moedis. That's Colleen's husband, Lyle James. My name is Khitliish. I am Kaguantan from Kokunowu, Hana territory. I am child of Kiksedi. He says the details matter in regalia. The buttons are abalone and a trade item that spanned hundreds of miles through southeast Alaska, the northwest coast, and beyond. The significance of the colors or even the placements of the, the buttons can quite often ex express what clan we come from or which community we come from. And that's important to us to express who we are where we come from. And that was through our, our at'u, and at'u is a clan-owned item. These regalia, or clan items, are brought out to uplift moiety opposites. So ravens supporting the eagles, and vice versa. It gets more complicated with clans and how people are related. This regalia workshop is in its second day. When Corinne James finishes her headband, she presents it to Tina Sakamoto of Petersburg. It's an emotional moment for her. When I first studied it, um, I knew it didn't belong to me. Your validation meant art worth my job. So I want to thank you. <laughs> Petersburg elder Marianne Rainey was also serenaded with a new headband from Colleen James. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. Taking a look at the community calendar. The deadline to submit written comments for the Southeast and Yakutat Finfish and Shellfish Board of Fisheries meeting is this Wednesday, February 23rd. The meeting itself is March 10th through the 22nd in Anchorage. Information on how and where to submit your comments can be found on the community calendar posting. Registration for the Sitka Seed Library, located at Sitka Public Library, is now open. All are invited to register and check out all kinds of seeds to take home and grow. Donations of saved or purchased seeds to share with the community are also accepted. No library card is required. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.